0: First, thank you so much for all the great feedback on the last solo episode, which was titled, Choose Your Heart. It has resonated with lots of you, and I'm not surprised. Whatever we choose in life, to follow our dreams or not, it's definitely hard. So choose your heart wisely. But thank you so much for all your beautiful feedback. I had a particularly hard week this week, and I had to dig really deep. In all the challenges coming our way, there are silver linings if we choose to look for them. Last year when I was going through some challenging times, I came across a book that I absolutely loved and it's one of my all-time favorite books. And as you may know, I read a lot, so this is a big statement for me. The book is called The Wealthy Gardener. I read about the book somewhere and then I thought this would be a perfect Father's Day gift. So I ordered it from my favorite local bookstore and when they got it in I walked up to get it and I, when I came back I put it in my cupboard so I could just wrap it later that week. But as I was going to bed that night I thought I'm going just to have a quick look at that book and then I read it All in a few days and highlighted it, scribbled in it, and I was just so inspired and absolutely loved it. I don't know about you, but you know, when you just come across a book and it's just the right timing or just what you need to hear at that given time, and that was what The Wealthy Gardener was for me. And I have read it many times since then. You might know that when I find a book, I often reread it because. There is often so much wisdom in one book, and we don't always get everything. And of course, we evolve and we change, and there are different messages that resonates with us. So today's guest is the author of The Wealthy Gardener, John Sephoric. It's such an inspiring conversation about all the things we need to do to make our dream life come true. This book is not all about creating wealth or prosperity. I got so much inspiration that relates to creating my dream life lots of great reminders to inspire us to all make the most of our time and take action what is important to us. And The Wealthy Gardener is a hybrid. It's half fiction, half non-fiction. Chapters are divided into life lessons, each opening with a fictional story followed by real life anecdotes. And I asked John Why This format? and he said as a father, he wanted to engage his son in many lessons on wealth, but he didn't want to preach to him, and a better way to do it was to create a parable. Like reading a biography for pleasure and insight, learning through stories can be more enjoyable and profound. While this approach comes at the risk of oversimplifying principles, it is a risk chosen for a greater good of clarity. The hybrid formats remains the best way to entertain, engage, and explain the lessons of prosperity. I absolutely love this book, and I absolutely love this episode, so I can't wait for you to be inspired too. So let's get right into it. Hi, John, and welcome to my podcast.
1: Christina, thank you. Thank you. You honor me by having you on your podcast, so... The honor is all mine.
0: No, oh, thank you. I am so excited because your book has been so impactful on my life. It's probably one of my all-time favorite books. And I love it because it's not for me about wealth. It's about the lessons that you learn and have to do when you are creating your dream life. So for me, I wrote a book a few years ago all about helping other people living their dream life. And when I read your book, I just felt like there were so many great lessons. And last year when I came across your book, I was going through some really challenging times. So I'll tell you how I actually came across it. When I read about it, I was like, oh, this is a great father's day present to give to my partner for father's day about financial lessons to we have a son who is 13 years old uh, so I thought it was a perfect book and then I because I always try to support the local bookstores I got them to order it in so it took a little while and then I walked one day to pick it up and then I put it in the cupboard just thinking I'm gonna wrap it and then that night I was like I'm just going to take it out. And I just I just read it and I highlighted it and I had to buy a new book for, for, for the Father's Day. But it was so good. And then because I was going through such a challenging times and it was lockdown, it was all last year, I also listened to it on audiobook and I spent hours and hours walking through the challenging time that I had uh, with the business last year. Yeah, I've read it so many times and I've re-listened to it and I I just absolutely love it. So thank you for writing it.
1: Well, thank you for... For that story my goodness i think as an author as a writer that's just exactly the kind of landing we would we would love to hear over and over and over and sometimes as an author we pour out our blood and sweat and tears and and we don't get to see the other side of it how those books will sometimes impact the readers and so uh yeah i'm sitting here listening to you thinking wow thank god it landed that way in your life it certainly was written for my son with the intention of it landing in his life the same way so if it can impact other people. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit. Actually, I always ask the same question. I just got a little bit overexcited here. (laughs) I always ask the same question to all my podcast guests. And that is, as a child, did you have a dream of doing something or become something?
1: I grew up in the middle class of America here. And the town and the culture where I grew up I had to like you read my way out of a smaller culture <laughs> and and it expanded me at my, in my childhood my dreams were just really centered around sports there's no doubt about it to win the lottery here meant you're going to play basketball or football it was just typical boyhood stuff you know it wasn't like I I felt like I had this destiny I didn't feel like that at all I felt more like you know, life was unlimited. I had full hope. I'm excited about life. Sure, I can do anything. And it was kind of a naive optimism at that point where, you know, you just didn't, didn't evolve with sports, to be honest with you. I didn't become a real learner and thinker and bigger than my environment until I started reading, just like you mentioned in your prelude here. Books really changed my mind and my life. And so, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying
0: there. Great. And tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you actually, I guess, started your um, financial freedom path and how did you come to write the book?
1: I think freedom paths sometimes start with having a deep need and, you know, you get into a situation that you want to get out of I'm a big believer in uh, trying to change the way things are and not giving up the hope. And I think that's the greatest lesson of my life is that, you know, when the chips were down and, and it looked like I was trapped, I didn't make a lot of wrong moves, but I got myself into a situation, living a good life, doing things right. I went to college. I had a family. I worked in the middle class. I got to the age of 30 and I just saw that there was just there was no way beyond just a normal life for me. And I, I felt like I wanted more than just a normal life. Nothing wrong with a normal life, but I had ambition. And you know I, I believe in following ambition. I wanted to have a life that wasn't just constrained to showing up and working for dollars every day. I don't know why I wanted that, but I did. I wanted more than just that. And so that's how the whole financial thing started. It's not like I wanted cars, nothing wrong with cars. I wanted freedom and I just needed that. I'm not sure why, but that's what I pursued money for. I just realized without money, I wouldn't be free. I couldn't have time freedom. I would have never, ever been able to write this book, The Wealthy Gardener, if not for financial freedom, because I put 50 hours a week into that every week for three years. I killed myself (laughs) and I couldn't have written that in the margins of my life. It just wasn't possible. That's what I wanted. And my journey became one where it was slow and it was unglamorous and it was just a lot of boring days lined up together in the right direction. It wasn't that sexy. You know, you went to work, you used your free hours, you saved your money, and it boils down to just a lot of time where you control how much you spend. And you control what you do in your hours over and over and over again. So the, I know that's general, but I'm, uh, I'm assuming you're not looking to get it too far into the weeds of exactly what I did. But that was the idea. I needed to change something in my life. I saw money as the way to change that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it's all about inspiring people to live their dream life. and. Until last year, because I was so focused on my dream to inspire people to live their best life and having stores around the world, that was kind of my dream. Money wasn't the driving force. It was basically doing that and then, you know, doing well. And it wasn't really until I lost everything that I realized how important money is because I was doing well and had all my eggs in one basket, which of course we shouldn't. But I was just so excited and I was so focused on my big journey thinking, you know, everything will work out the best possible way. And, you know, I had an amazing life while I was doing that. It's quite an interesting realization when you go from having that and not having it. And I think in your book, there is, I'm going to read it up. Many things are indeed more important than money, but overcoming the money problem allows us to focus on those important things. So without money and time, we have very little power in life. And it was such a realization for me, and because I'm now running digital courses for helping people to live their dream life, money is definitely part of that. That's why I was very excited to to read your book.
1: You know, and to your credit, Christina, what you, what you just said, that your story, you went through some tough times. And, you know, I think one of the greatest lessons you can learn is to never lose hope. You know, there's so many times I see that people will go through that tough time and just kind of wave the flag, the white flag, and they surrender. Why didn't you, you know, like that's one of the blessings that you'll see from people that follow your advice for the dream life, you know, keeping hope alive. It's not just about a feel good thing. It's about this, the life of your soul. Hope is so important. It's such a great emotion and it's your duty to not give up hope. In my opinion, I could have given up hope. You could have given up hope. I'm sure there's a reader out there who's hoping that they can get their life straightened out. It's your duty to not give up hope and then pursue that. Pursue whatever that ambition is in your life.
0: And it's also, for me, like a dream life is not a perfect life. Like there will be challenges. There are definitely lots of obstacles. I'm living it again this year with all our lockdowns here. And it could have been so easy to give up, but I'm not giving myself that option. And I think that's what really helps people to realize whatever comes your way we might have to change. We might have to look at the same goal in a different way, but there is definitely always a way. And I I have that saying that, you know, tough times never last, but tough people do. And I always say we can do hard things. So just keep going.
1: Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think that, you know, you, you learn your lessons in life and you do the best you can. And I think one of the things that sets people up for trouble is when they do expect perfect. Like that's a delusion. Even when you get... Uh, you know, financial freedom. You're just choosing a whole new set of problems. If you change your career, you're just choosing a whole new set of problems. You're going from one set to another. And I don't mean problems in a negative way. I mean that we're trying to find problems that were most suited to handling. And that's a good feeling. You know, you're getting yourself into this area of suitability where you have innate competence and you go toward that. You're not looking for a perfect life, you're looking for a life of overcoming problems one after the other and that adds up to a useful contribution and people want that they need that it gives them direction it gives them something to do the last thing you want to do is just to do nothing and sit around with unoccupied hours or doing things you don't want to do and so yeah it's imperfect i get it but you're putting yourself in a situation that you kind of like your problems a little bit i believe in that
0: yeah when we do hard things and we do things we never done before we are definitely going to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) But if we don't live a life that is exciting and pursuing things that we've never done before, if we stay the same, we're also going to feel uncomfortable. So I'd much rather feel uncomfortable trying to work things out along the way. So that's kind of my philosophy. But let's jump in uh, to the book. As I said, I absolutely love it. And I love the first chapter, which I think is Seek Prosperity, Time, impact, activity, and impact hours. So let's start talking about time. There is a quote or a saying in your book, and I speak to my best friend. She lives in Sydney every single day, and uh, we read this book at the same time, and often walk at the same time, listen to it, and and we always said, "I can change what I do or keep what I got." And I love that about time. So talk a little bit about how we can use our time in the most productive way. So
1: here's what I know for sure, right? The way this whole planet is set up is that we're going to work about a 40-hour job just to pay for food, shelter, clothing, no matter what. Usually we have a God-given ability to vary that. We can do different things in that time. A lot of what we get out of life is determined by the other hours of our life, right? We're going to work out our problems during a 40-hour work week maybe going to and from that job, it's going to be another 10 hours a week. So let's wipe those 50 hours off the board for now and not talk about them. We have about 80 more hours a week, something like that, right? And the question is, what do we do with those? How do we use our free time? And I'm not saying that we have to plow the field here and dig ditches and just be workaholics, but I am saying that those hours can be used with better impact. And impact is a very good word to put. I'm not talking about value. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about usefulness. I'm talking about impact toward your goals, things that might move the needle toward the cause, which you alone chose. I think it's, it's really important to burrow down on that and just try to evaluate that because there's just so much of life that can pass us by if we don't focus on those free hours. Now, we all want traction. We all feel better if we're going toward our goals. A lot of times in my life, I can speak of, it was about using our other hours. And we talk about impact hours. Well, what are the things that impact your goals? Generally speaking, they're not going to be tension-relieving activities. You know, use that term, goal-achieving, not tension-relieving, right? You're not going to give away all your hours, but let's just talk about your wasted hours, okay? You're going to have impact hours your goals. And maybe your goal's family. Maybe it's spirituality. You get to have your goals. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's whatever. It's just about which goals are useful. And you know, if you choose a goal that you like, then those hours of earning it aren't going to be so dreadful to you. You're just going to be doing something that where your interests lie. I didn't feel like pursuing financial freedom was drudgery. I was doing the things I wanted to do to get the things I wanted to get. And so you align yourself. You can choose a mindset like that. And so that's how I see time. I do, I track it. I track my time. I track my hours so that it doesn't get away from us. What are you doing in your days? And how many days are you giving to that which you say is important to you? I do it daily.
0: I still do. Yeah, I love that. And in your impact activity, what did you do towards creating financial freedom?
1: You know, there's gonna be a lot of hard skill. Christina, let's talk about hard skill. Like a lot of times what I'm talking about is soft skills. Soft skills are basically those things you do every day, getting along with people, improving relationships, using your time better, getting your mindset right. These are all soft performance skills, right? That's the kind of stuff that goes into life. But in your free hours, what can you do to most markedly move yourself forward? And a lot of that is vocational guidance, call it training, call it hard skills. Things that you can actually do, to produce an employable future. In my case, it was real estate. I went into real estate. I had to learn so much. When I chose the goal of real estate, I wasn't the person who knew how to get the results I wanted. So therefore, I went into the training myself over and over every day of hard skills. What do people need to do? What do people need to know? I pursued it like a vocation. And so that's the practicality of it hard skill development and then you start putting those skills to use. Maybe a, a person out there might say, "Well, I don't even like my job. I hate my job." Then your job would be to produce hard skills to get you in another job, right? It's all about that. It's about training, about things that can get you work employable. That's so important. So for me, real estate was the thing I needed to master that. I needed to know that better than the professionals if I wanted to become financially free, which I did. I was able to pursue my goals and achieve what I wanted to achieve but not without the hard skills, not without the understanding of how it's done and then doing it. Sure.
0: Yeah. And for someone who's listening who would like to do that as well, I'm also very interested in learning about real estate and now with the new Crypto and there's just so much to learn, which is I absolutely love learning. I could I could spend all my free hours on just learning, but where do one person start? Because obviously there's so many books that you can read or there's so many courses you can do. But for anyone listening, what would you recommend to start with?
1: Ah, oh, that is the great question of our age, isn't it? Um, you know, we're so proliferated with uh, so much knowledge that we don't know where to start. I get it, man. I understand. So. Let's say that you are devoted to finding that information. I mean, there's no question that we would go to maybe uh, websites that sell books. I'm a big believer in looking at reviews. You know, yeah, I love reviews. I think that reviewers are unbiased. I I start there. They'll usually lay it out and crush you if if you don't have valid information. So if you ask me, I go into book sites and I look for books that have a a five-star rating above 80%. 80%. If you don't have 80%, I'm not picking up the book. <laughs> and that might You're be wrong. Tough. Maybe somebody wrote, <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe that's wrong. But there's so many books you don't even know where to start. Like it was the question. What's your screening technique? It's not easy. So I try to put objectives in there. You know, the Wealthy Gardener has has an 86% five star rating. I'm always grading myself. Oh my gosh, am I meeting my own criteria? that's how i do it
0: yeah i'm gonna it. go in and review i don't know if i have actually um but i will and i'll i'll give it 100 percent. how about that what kind of books have impacted you in terms of financial freedom
1: i would say the seminal book for me i read it at a time when i was in my early 20s was think and grow rich and that's legendary at this point it brought in my mind to think beyond my surroundings i didn't come from a family with wealth i didn't come from big ideas And that gave me an idea of what might be possible. That was an infectious book to me. It opened the world. And then I started back then, you know, reading Brian Tracy. Uh, It led me to Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale has the magic secret. I mean, I listened to that thing over and over and over. I could recite it by word. I could go on stage and just recite it. I know it so well. But those are the kind of things that helped me. Uh, Those are my seminal books. And then they just lead into a proliferation. Like I said, I, I had to move into hard skills for real estate. So those, that becomes more specific. It just kind of evolves and evolves and evolves and evolves. You know, that was the seminal start for me.
0: Yeah, thinking Grow Rich for me has been also really, you know, I read it many, many years ago. And then since we have had a lot of lockdowns, my best friend, she lives in Sydney and I'm in Melbourne. So I drive to Sydney uh, quite frequently before the crazy lockdowns that we have now where you can't do that anymore. But I listen to that every single time I drive up. I just get something out of this. You know, I often, I mean, your book, I've read so many times. I don't do that with every book that I read. But if I find something that's really good, that you change and you evolve and you might take some actions and then you go to the next level. And that book is just so powerful.
1: It changes your mind more and more and more and more and more. I did the same thing with uh, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. the point where somebody that would be in my car would every time my car turns on earl nightingale would start speaking to me and i would be embarrassed i would take that thing to a car dealership and the dealers would turn it on to repair something and here comes Earl nightingale's voice like god speaking it's abnormal kind of things around here but uh i totally get that i totally get that you're driving and and listening you can turn all that time into learning time i do the same thing yeah this day
0: fantastic so Reading in your book in terms of impact activity, I know you took away alcohol, you spent a lot of time in solitude and meditated, you exercised, you changed to a better diet, you wrote specific money goals and drew images of your goals and spent a lot of time in your sauna and a vision board and all those kind of things. Which one do you think has had the most impact in terms of really believing that it would come true?
1: That's a great question right because how do you how do you cut it apart but I would say that whenever we get a clear picture in our mind and we start focusing on that you'll hear a lot of people talk about that and a lot of times the people talking don't have the experience to back that up and they're just uh, mimicking what they've read in other books. And that's fine. Sometimes teachers can be great teachers without having the results. I get it. There's just something about that vision inside of you, the picture you see in your mind. I do believe in the law of attraction. I do. Okay. So let me just put it out there. Uh, I do believe that there are intangible forces in the world that I put my head on and I start to see coincidences show up in my life. And I'm not so arrogant that I believe I know enough that I can say that's not true. I believe in the possibility of that. So that's first. But what I also see is that whenever I do that, it starts to form an attitude within me. And that attitude leads to behaviors. And it leads me to interpret and interact with this world in a way that's conducive towards attaining that vision that I see in my mind. And so if I would do anything, I will always have the vision in mind of what it's going to be like. I will have the vision in mind of what my reviews are going to look like. I try to get that vision. I start with that vision so that I can see it. I can describe it. And I do that so that everything else falls backwards. And I eventually adopt the behaviors that start to lead me toward that. That's how human beings are wired, I think. At least this human being is wired that way. I start there. What do you see clearly in your mind? And stay there. Give your attention to that. Stay there day after day after day. That's the skill. It's not trying to get it once and figuring out what you want. The skill of life, the challenge is to do it every day, every day, every day, every day. Spend time enjoying that vision that's your future and just make believe, make believe. And then brainstorm. How can I do that? And those things add up day after day after day after day in this long process that feels like nothing's happening, but It is happening so slowly that it's imperceptible. It just happens slowly. Progress is slow, but it all starts with a vision, a vision, you know, and then then you brainstorm and then you act and then you adjust, but always back to the vision.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's why I like to set big dreams, because even if I don't know how to do it, at least I know what it will look like when I do get it. (laughs) So that's, I love, I love that.
1: And when you think about it, uh, there's so many things you're doing right now that were impossible 20 years ago. So should you have not set those goals 20 years ago because you didn't know how? And then you're facing the same situation right now. There's things that that are outside of what you can imagine. People say, oh, that's impossible. That's not realistic. Well, it's not realistic with maybe who you are and what you know now, but don't let that limit you. You can grow. You know, you can do a lot of things uh, that can make you into the type of person that can bring that to be. And we all see that process over and over and over. So you never howl down your dream. You never say it's impossible. You never think, I don't know how, therefore I don't. No, you set that goal and then you brainstorm and then you act and you become more. That's the whole fun of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for some of us who are a little bit of a procrastinators, I'm sure there will be some some of us listening. What do we do about procrastination and how do we overcome that to take action every day?
1: I believe in tracking completely. What gets measured gets done. And so let's say that my goal is to write a book. Let's just bring it into a concrete example here. I can think about that book. I can plan that book. I can talk about that book. I can dream about that book. But what gets that book written is my butt in a seat alone in a basement. And I'm either working on the outline or putting words on paper doing things that are constructively move that process forward? Well, of course, that's obvious. There's not a person in the world that doesn't know that. The question is, how do we get ourselves to do that? And that's the game of life, doing the things we know to do. Most people already know what they should be doing. We just don't do what we already know. So how do you do that? How do you help yourself control that? How do you you give yourself hope to not procrastinate, like you say? I track it myself. I'll track the number of hours I spend on that task. Right now, let's say in concrete terms, I am writing the sequel to the book you're speaking of. Well, what gets that book written is me sitting down and getting six hours a day into the writing of that book. I don't procrastinate because I keep track of that. And at the end of this day, I win or I fail (laughs) in my own eyes because I'm keeping a score of how many hours I'm giving. I really believe in tracking. And I think that that will empower people if they start keeping track of the number of hours or the number of tasks completed and make a running score per day. That's my toll. That's what keeps me on an honest effort where I'm not kidding myself. I'm not deluding myself. I'm not biasing myself. I'm not talking. No, it's what you're doing. You are what you do today. Let's track it. I think after enough days of tracking and finding yourself running short, you're going to get mad at yourself and you're going to start doing the things. And I'll give you another example. Let's say this. A person wants to lose weight. I'll tell you what makes you lose weight. Step on the scale every day. If you step on that scale every day, you will get so dissatisfied that you will start doing the things that makes you get the number you want. And it's the same way with tracking your results and your efforts in life. If you keep track of those things, you'll get so dissatisfied that procrastination will be worse than doing. And then you'll do them. It really comes down to that. I can't emphasize that enough.
0: Yeah, I agree. And as part of my little community, I have a habit club and we choose one habit For the quarter or for the month whatever people can join and do whatever they want and what keeps me really accountable is i go in there and say when i've done what i said so this could be habits that are supporting people's dream lives so it could be meditation could be exercise could be like at the moment i'm doing 30 minutes learning for a specific skill daily and tracking that on a habit tracker, it just works so well. But also having the accountability where you actually tell the groups that you're actually going to do something, it's it works really well for me. And that's why I've decided, because I used to drag all my friends to groups like this, but they didn't always want to do it. And now I have these where people actually <laughs> want to be part of it, <laughs> not just friends, people that I of meet, you know, wherever around the world and uh, people just join because they want to, not because I'm dragging them.
1: Well, you're, you're completely right. I know with myself, I'm fortunate enough to have a spouse who likes to exercise and we both will exercise together. And so there's times when she'll get me moving to the swimming pool for the laps in one morning. And then the other morning, I'll grab her and I'll take her there. And there's no question that the support certainly does help. We don't always have that support system. So maybe they can join your group <laughs> and that can help. Yeah. As opposed to always looking around, I always see that excuses that uh, people say, well, in my own environment, I don't have people like-minded that want to you know support what I'm doing. they aren't ambitious like me. Maybe you find that online and support groups like you go to yours.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's so true for so many people, and I certainly grew up that way too, where you know I had maybe dreams that no one else around me had, so it's definitely online. I mean we're so lucky because you can meet people around the world who have the same dreams or the same passions, and it's just incredible time to be alive.
1: I can feel it with you. I'm on the other side of the world from you talking to you, and I feel like you're a kindred spirit just speaking to you. It's 7 o'clock here, 7 a.m., and it's 9 p.m. there, and here we are talking. I wrote a book for my son, and I'm talking to Christina in Australia. It's mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So on that topic, let's talk about Inner Circle, which is one of your lessons in your book, who did you have in your inner circle? I, I do obviously know it because I read the book, but you had some really interesting people.
1: Well, that's just it. Now, People will always talk to me and they'll ask me about mentorship and mentors. How do I find mentors? And I can just tell you, like, I didn't have mentors in my life, not, not real people that were in my environment that I could actually mentor from. What I found was that I could use a lot of my free hours to get to know people in books, and there's autobiographies written, there's biographies written. There's exemplary people that pour their soul out in a book. You'll never know somebody more than reading their book. That's where they put everything on the line out there. They became my inner circle. You know, you're talking about the Carnegies. you're talking about reading about people exemplary like Jesus Christ, Mahatma Gandhi, again, Earl Nightingale. some of the Steve Jobs, you know, Steve Jobs had good quotes and good traits in. Sometimes earlier in his life, not so good traits. You learn from both, and so you bring this knowledge of other people together. They can become your inner circle. They were for me. I remember, remember lessons from Rockefeller's life. How did he handle that? How am I going to handle that? You know, those are the kind of things that I would think about. And honestly, uh, Christine, I'll tell you a story. With that is, I don't always have the courage to do the things that I I want to do. You know, I'm just like everybody else, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to make this book public. It was between he and I, me and my son. He's in college. That was one thing. I could reveal my soul to him, but then I had to choose whether or not I was going to make this book public. I didn't need that. It's not like I have a platform. It's not like I was looking for any kind of fame or reward, any kind of things like this. I had no other motivation outside of maybe this book might help someone the way it's helped my son. But the problem is it puts me at risk because I revealed and made myself so vulnerable in this book. I didn't know if I was willing to risk that I was waffling and I was telling my son about it and he said, you know, dad, why don't you think about all those people that are on your wall? When I read a great biography, I put the picture of that person on my wall and I write the lessons that I learned from the book on there. What would those people say? Those exemplary figures on your wall, man, he leveled me. You're right. You're right. Those people there, they would look at me more accusatorily if I failed to step up to the plate because of a fear of what other people might think of me they didn't do that. They would think that I should. That's who they were. And so that inner circle came back to bite me when it was time for me to uh, actually publish or not publish this book. And my son, who I wrote the book for, used my own words to slam me in the head on that one. And Thank God he did.
0: Oh, I love that story. And I I love how kids, how they just say it how it is. It's such a good lesson because I think so many people listening would think, well, I don't have that. But just by books and learning from people who've done hard things before us is, is just so powerful.
1: I understand how we sometimes feel like we can't do great things, right? I don't know if I'm like Steve Jobs. I don't, I don't think I am either, okay? But I know one thing. I can win this one day. I promise you that. And I can win this one day because I can win one hour. And I'm not just talking. That's something I can do. And so can anybody listening out here right now. You can go to work today. You can give hours to that job and work a little bit better. You can work on the one habit that you're talking about for a month. You can infuse that into that day, one hour at a time. We can do anything One hour at a time. But we sometimes got to get our our eyes off of the mountain in front of us and just bring it back to that one step, one step, one hour. That step in life is one hour, it's one day at a time. And when I bring things back to that level, I can write a book because I know I can do something today. I mean, it's Friday right now. I know I can put six hours in today towards writing that book. I don't think about the overwhelming task. I can use this day. And when we bring it down to that level, that's useful for me. That's how I approach things. One hour at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time. Just bring it back to that. You don't need to look any further and you shouldn't. That's enough right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I find really powerful when I'm doing something hard or maybe not as fun as some of the other activities is to just start. So two minutes or 10 minutes, or sometimes if I want to run and I don't really feel like it, I'm like, I'm just going to run for two minutes. And then often I'll just run a few more minutes and then you you do your normal run.
1: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. The hardest step of a three mile run is stepping out of the door. When my wife and I go to the swimming pool, you know what's hard? Getting in the pool. <laughs> That's what's hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So talk about schedule. You have a lesson in your book about scheduling. So how do we do that to make time?
1: It all comes down to prioritizing. I mean, I I really think that whenever I, I would try to figure out my life, I was always staring at a schedule. I believe that life is all about a schedule. You're scheduling or you're not. So what isn't scheduled by you is being scheduled by life. So you either control or you don't. Now, sometimes in my free hours, I'll schedule time for me and my wife just to go for a walk it's scheduled. And so if I, if somebody kind of calls to interrupt me, no, I'm sorry. I got a meeting right there. That's what I mean by scheduling. It's not all work it's life. And so to live an intentional life without scheduling, it's a delusion. If you ask me, I'm not telling anybody what they don't know. We all know that we can't schedule without a goal. We can't have priorities without goals, but your goals don't have to always be money and work. Like, maybe you and I want great relationships with our kids. Well, we better put some time in there. And I'm not talking about watching TV with them. I'm talking about doing things with them, interacting with them, supporting them. What are you doing to support your children? Because if you want support from your family, support them. You know, I always get this question that my book is so much about money, so much about wealth. And there's no question that that is what I try to stick to in my book. And what I'll hear people say is, well, I would like to be wealthy, but I have a family. I said, yeah, I had a family too. And we all grew up happy and they supported me fully. But you know, that didn't happen by accident. I scheduled time to support them and then they support me. So don't blame it on the pursuit of your life. Your kids and your family, they want to see you win. They want to see you pursue goals. That's part of showing the kids how to live and showing them how to take lumps on the chin and to fight back in life and to win. But you know, we got to spend time with them scheduling we schedule family time we schedule spiritual time we schedule exercise time or it doesn't happen they're not that hard to do but they're really easy to not do as well and that's the problem of life without a schedule things don't get done that we say are important
0: i am exactly the same i schedule everything sometimes a little bit too much perhaps but um yeah i love it
1: let me ask you how how can how too much Christina?
0: well i think sometimes i'm very yellow in terms of I'm very optimistic and think I can do a little bit too much. So I think I'm kind of squeezed so much in that it doesn't really work. So it's a bit of a maybe not so um, thought through sometimes because I really believe that I can squeeze in more. So, but I'm getting better. We live and we learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about task production in your case, whereas a lot of times I'm looking at our productivity, right? So like whenever I go with, I try to jam all these tasks into a limited number of hours, ah, but whenever I say I'm going to give a limited number of hours for this set of priorities and I'm just going to go one after the other, then I tend to be less anxious with it all. And I can be the same way. I know exactly what you're saying. I hate that feeling of having too much to do and not enough time to do it. I run from that. So I, I try to sometimes just schedule the hours of input, the impact hours.
0: I actually schedule everything in my calendar. It's just that I think I'm a little bit over optimistic what I actually can fit into that hour or that half an hour or whatever. So, but I also that this is what I love doing. So I <laughs> I'm always um, you know, trying new things to see if I can get better. And that's what I think life is all about. So let's talk about the 55 powers of wealth in your book. We're not going to talk about all the 55, of course, but I'd love for you to share. What are the most important ones for anyone listening?
1: I think the first part is is mindset. And people say, well, what is mindset? They always say you have to have a great mindset. Well, to me that's not an obscure term. To me that means clarity. That's a mindset. Belief that you can do, self-efficacy. That's part of a mindset. You can cultivate that. Let's talk about being faithful. This can be carried out. What do you believe in? What are your values? can you achieve and why do you achieve? And what is your cause behind the goals? Those kind of things are important in life. And I think a service mentality is crucial. You know, those are the kind of beliefs that are really important. You can put all of this stuff into a mindset that you can approach life with without the head straight, the body won't follow. So it's all mental first. And then secondarily, there's so many different possibilities of going wrong and right. It can become overwhelming at times. Again, I think you come back to impact hours and impact activities. It's why it's stressed so importantly in the start of the book. Because everything else is just written to impact those two things. If you can just get the right activities, doing the right things, filling your life up with those hours, that's really all you control. So what are the right things? Like I can be a janitor at a school and I can give the best effort 40 hours a week in the world. Or I can be retired now and I can give those same 40 hours towards writing a book. Well, what is going to, what's going to be the outcome of each, right? One's going to lead to a book and one's going to lead to just a great service you're providing. You're doing your best, but you're just providing income. So you have to fill up those hours with something that actually leads you towards a goal that you consider important. Nothing wrong with being a janitor, but if you don't want to be a janitor, you're going to be a janitor for a while and you're going to fill up your time outside of being that janitor with other things, building up other hard skills. So it's all about those impact hours and impact activities. Maybe you're going to school, maybe you're doing those kind of things. Time. It's all about time. And then of course if you're talking about wealth, it's all about spending. All you can really do when it comes down to the money is control your time and control your your spending. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to it. And all you're trying to do is getting rid of the waste on both ends. You're not taking all your time. You're just gonna sacrifice your wasted time. So it comes back to that central theme is impact hours, impact time, impact activities, and everything else, if you look at it, is just built around that, nothing else, and bring it in that way, and that'll give you hope, because that's what it's all about right there. How can you become productive one hour at a time? Focus on that, and that's enough. I know i said that before, but it comes back to that. In terms of 55 powers, they're all meant to empower yourself, your fullest potential, one hour at a time.
0: Yeah, I love them. They're all so good. I could listen to and read them over and over again. And obviously for anyone listening, we have the Wealthy Gardener in at Kiki K now. So I'm very excited to have our own designed, very similar to yours, but just a little bit differently and suits the rest of the collection. So super excited about that. I am going to ask just a couple of quick questions before we finish up this very inspiring conversation. And one is, have you got a morning routine?
1: Absolutely. I'm gonna get a coffee. I'm gonna come downstairs. I put my headphones on. I make a recording of a mind-setting statement that I listen to while I'm waking up and I'm planning my goals. I write my five-year goals down on paper. I write what I have to do today and how my to-do list today fits in with those five-year goals. And I just get myself in rhythm. After that's over, I'll start writing but then the real ritual kicks in whenever my wife wakes up and we'll sit down we'll have what we call tea time and then we exercise my morning routine that I never start a day without is prioritizing reviewing my goals mind setting time with my family exercise no question about it (sighs) so this is how it works So whenever you set a goal in your mind, this is a a long story right around it, right? I swear to God that you start being compelled toward this goal. I feel a deep mission right now for the follow-up book to what you're talking about. So I'm writing this goal. And I think that if the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, will start to propel you and compel you to do the things that bring about that goal. So for some reason, God's getting me out of bed at 2 a.m. every day, every night, 2 a.m., 2 a.m. I walk up here. The world is asleep. I'm sitting down here and I find that it's the best time in the world to write. I don't choose this. It's not like I uh, wake up with an alarm, nothing like this, but I can't sleep past two o'clock anymore, but it gets me going. And so a good portion of that day in solitude has been fixed. So right now to answer your question, long story short, 2 a.m.
0: I get up just before five, but 2 a.m. That's a different level.
1: Weird. It's just plain weird. I get it. I'm nocturnal. I didn't ask for it. And I don't set an alarm for it. People say that all the time. They say, Well, why do you do that? That's weird. I said, I don't have a choice. I don't set an alarm. I don't take medication for this. I just wake up when I wake up. I don't know.
0: So do you go to bed early?
1: you know you do you fall over because you know it's just a cycle yeah I probably went to sleep at seven thirty last night I mean I got my six and a half hours in. I might take a nap this afternoon I don't know whatever God has in store for
0: me I do amazing so inspiring so I know we spoke about a couple of books but what do you think is the book that have had the most influence on you
1: the book that had the greatest influence, it wasn't even a book at the time. It was it was just an audio that I listened to over and over and over again. And there's no question that if I bow down to one person in this world, it's Earl Nightingale. One of the fascinating things I think about that all the time is that this guy was not alive when I was born, and yet he's affecting me with his words, just like he was a father of, for me. There's nobody in this world who has affected me more than the words of Earl Nightingale in the program, A Stranger's Secret that is now a book you know you can get it as a book it can be downloaded just off the internet but that was the golden word for me earl nightingale
0: love that before we finish up if you knowing what you know now and having to give yourself some advice what would you tell yourself
1: don't lose hope don't lose hope man i think back of uh, you know late teens I was on top of the world. I mean, then everything I'm doing, I succeeded at as an adolescent. You know, you come out of college, you're just ready to take on the world. And you're so sure that this world is just waiting to see what a marvelous, exciting success you're going to be. And, you know, you find a different reality out there. Then I wasn't necessarily prepared for the hardships that were coming at the time. I didn't expect them. And man, I came close. I came close to losing hope. And I would say that one of the greatest lessons of my life is to keep the hope keep the hope alive. In fact, that's, to me, one of the most important things in the world. So keep the hope, my young friend. That's what I would tell myself.
0: Love that. Thank you so very much. It's so inspiring. I know we can speak for hours, and I'm sure I will have you back. And I can't wait for your second book. But I just wanted to say thank you. When I finished the book for the first time as an audio book, so I read it as a paper book first, but when I did go for my long walks and I walked sometimes for hours a day during these lockdowns and I absolutely love walking and I love nature and, I, and I'm i up early. So I always meet the same people and they will laugh at me because I often stop because when I listen to something, I always take notes and I have a little, little Kiki K notebook and a pen and I always take notes. But one day when I finished the book for the first time I came home and I just had a dream that I have actually have hardly shared with anyone and I'm not going to share it on the podcast but when I do make that dream come true it's a big one and it's one that I will share with you once I've made it happen which I have no doubt that I will and it was funny because I then came back and I wrote that dream down and then I started to write the first chapter, which is part of this big dream. So I just want to say thank you for inspiring me and no doubt everyone who will be buying The Wealthy Gardener through Kiki K and or anywhere else in the world who's listening to this. Thank you so much. It's been so, so valuable. And I know that this book will last forever because it's so good. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for honoring me by uh, having me on the podcast. And I love the fact that Maybe some of my words helped you to create a dream, an impossible dream that you're going to shoot for right now, that's going to cause you to evolve and grow yourself. I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: How inspiring was that? I just love this conversation and I'm now eager to reread the book again. I just love the life lesson about time. I saw that my conditions trail the use of my time and I can change what I do or keep what i got so my question after you listening to this is what would you change in your life if you want a kiki k design cover of the wealthy gardener i have added the link in the show notes so just go to kiki And in my virtual Dream Life book club and my Monday lives, we will read The Wealthy Gardener. So if you want to join us each Monday at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, we are a group of lovely humans who are sharing the love of personal growth reading and all things inspiring book and supporting each other to create our dream life. I love my Monday nights and I will add a link to the show notes or just go to here.com and look for the book club. And if you are inspired after this episode to start taking action and creating your dream life, regardless of the challenges around you right now, because I know there are many, I will soon open the door to my digital course, Your Dream Life Starts Here. Just go to Your Dream Life Starts Here to join the waiting list. It's been such a challenging year for so many of us, me included. And we need to feel all the feels and get through all the things. But once we have done that, let's take action and create the life of our dreams. You can't change the past, but you can certainly create your future. And that is what I will focus on. And I hope you will too. Until next week, don't forget to dream big.